guy with gray hair, and in one of the pictures he's got gray hair and big glasses on and a big uh-huh. bald spot in the middle. I say, yeah, it looks kind of like Bernie Sanders. To which you immediately responded, uh, what must his dick smell like? <laughs> yes. Well, because if the movie is accurate, so, he's let's... he's destroyed more guts than E. coli. Like, that's... He's dirty. He did all the dirty things. So, I have to wonder. But I think you also were wondering that about Bernie Sanders. No, I wasn't worried about... I don't know. No, you're the one who keeps thinking about Bernie Sanders and his dick stink. Uh, I think you're gaslighting me, but it's okay. No, I'm, I'm all about Frank Abagnale Jr., who has nothing to do with this show, which we call the Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Kyle. We watch a show together sometimes. We usually don't like it. This one today was fine. We watched the 16th episode of season two, which let's just, you know, fuck it. Let's get these titles out of the way so we don't keep forgetting. Kyle uh, believed this was a paintball-related one. It is a paintball-related episode, but the actual name of the title is The Cushion Saturation. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know, right? Episode starts, everyone's a paintball, they're having a good time, whatever. Uh, Leslie Winkle hides in a shack with Wallowitz, and they bone! Whoa, cool! Uh, And then later on, we're back at the nerd's apartment, and Penny is sitting in Sheldon's spot, which is the most hilarious running joke of this entire show, is that he's got a spot, and he just can't deal without it. Um, And then later, Penny sees uh, uh, the paintball gun that one of them left behind, and blasts Sheldon's spot. So it's covered in green paint. They try to hide it from Sheldon. Sheldon is so particular that he cannot sit down. Like, they try flipping the cushion, but he can tell. And then they have to take it to the dry cleaners. It's it's not interesting at all, except for Sheldon acts like a sick cat in response to not being able to sit exactly where he wants to. Meanwhile, uh, Leslie Winkle is exercising financial control over Wallowitz in exchange for sex, um, giving him unrestricted grant money and extra lab access and stuff like that that's kind of the whole episode eventually the the couch cushion comes back yeah they never even resolve the whole like technically definitional sexual harassment thing that's going on there but in in a sense then i think this may be one of the few episodes that changes the status quo like Unless Leslie Winkle ceases to exist from now on which this show has done before with lady ladies that have been dated um, yeah, Wallowitz and Leslie are now in a relationship where he is stuck living to every desire that she inflicts upon him to get that sweet, sweet grant money. It's not great, but whatever. There are worse reasons to have relationships. It's just like the next, the most recent iteration in a long series of people in the show using sex in manipulative ways, which I don't know if it's like a dark shady thing or if they're really just laying bare the true nature of all relationships well again it's 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 described in the show as a quid pro quo relationship in which sex is exchanged for material gain and withheld is there is there anything i said that suggests that i'm not phrasing it that way that that's not exactly what it is well but then you're like but it's probably okay I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying like I'm not attacking you either. I'm just I'm just okay. saying I want to make it clear. Saying, is like the... I only took it, like one sexual harassment training seminar in my life when I was hired for a job that made me watch one of those things, and it was like there are only two cases where we can actually be clear. Where it's not sexual harassment until it goes bad. <laughs> up until then, 
It's just two people understanding that they can have a good time without any strings attached. And then someone pulls on one of those strings and then lawsuits abound. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not good in an ethical sense, but I feel like it's one of the healthier relationships in the show because they're both very clear about what's going on, even if Wallowitz clearly feels trapped. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, I guess he doesn't feel, it's weird because Wallowitz was also at this, that other time that he was having sex with uh, that one girl from wherever Penny's from. The very broken woman? Yes. The, yeah. the woman who will just wrap her legs around anything because her daddy didn't hug her enough. That's and not... they think it's hilarious. I don't remember if that's exactly how that character is described. No, they but... just called her a whore is what they called her. <laughs> yes. In that episode, they're like, I think he's just buying things for her. And they're like, she's just using you for, you know, sex and a place to stay. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine with that. So I guess he has been like, his character has always been very, uh, shall we say pragmatic. Yeah. About... I had a weird experience watching this episode in that. Okay, here, here we go. No, it's not. <laughs> it was just fine. I liked it. Oh yeah, no, this it was no, it's just blah. Like the the, the, but it was good. It was like a weirdly like basically like there were. I guess it was like there were multiple moments where I was like, I they could have made it like I can. You know how normally we're talking about the experience. Here, here's how I'll put it. Okay. Normally we watch one of these episodes and we talk about like being able to like imagine like how much better it would be if they just pursued like this line or that line in the episode a little bit harder. In this episode, at every moment, I could imagine them just tanking the whole episode. Like, if they had done, like, the thing with the cushion, if if Sheldon had just played up his meltdown just a little bit more histrionically and tyrannically, mm -hmm. it would have just ruined everything. Maybe you're right. And also the whole thing with Leslie. If they had just made that, I don't... If it had just been a little more cartoonish and two-dimensional... Um, well, I and... Mean, oh, go ahead. I mean, because both of they actually did a pretty good job of keeping both of those characters like very true to their like original characterizations. Like, uh, you know, uh, Wallowitz is like, yeah, yeah, I'm doing this for it's actually a pretty great line in the episode because they're like, wait, she's just giving you like money and grant money and things in exchange for. And he's like, there are two ways of looking at this. One is that I'm getting grant money and you're not. And that's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. The other is that I'm having sex and you're not, which is pretty delightful. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a pretty good line. That's that's okay. Like, regardless of how I feel about the line itself, the the honesty I think is great. Because later on, uh, Wallowitz and Leslie bond uh, when Leslie says something like, "Yeah, like, isn't it great when other people are miserable because you're doing better than they are?" or Something like that. And Wallowitz is like, "I don't understand why most people might, most people don't get that. It's fantastic." Yes, and that's like a very true thing. Like everyone wants to be a humble or modest but the truth is when when you get to look down on people it it feels real fucking good like hey look what i did motherfuckers that's me anyway um i'm a winkle that's fine i was going to say uh and then the other line that she says that i loved is is he says wait so you really are just controlling me with grant money in exchange for sex that makes me feel sort of uncomfortable and she's like well but if i wasn't controlling you in exchange uh, for grant money, then I would feel uncomfortable. Now, see, that line made me want to barf a little bit. <laughs> Why? Like, and so Wallowitz to say, I'm uncomfortable being controlled is something I can understand. But then for the equal opposite of that to be, oh, 
Leslie is uncomfortable not being able to control somebody, then I'm like, well, no. That's... No, I wasn't saying there were... E- like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to imply that those two th- statements well, were no, equivalent. No, I you asked saying... why it made me uncomfortable and I told you. I'm oh, not I'm accusing you of anything. Sorry. Um, I was just saying... bastard. <laughs> Sick son of a bitch. I was just saying, uh, Leslie... Um... Goddamned animal. <laughs> I thought it was a funny. I thought it was a. It was a. It was a good example of her being like honest about exactly how she feels. She's oh, like, she's no. being honest. She's yeah. like, no, I can't. I can't handle feelings in relationships. I have to always be in control. It's like cool. It's good that you know that about yourself. I don't know though. Again, again, that's one of those things where like knowing it about yourself, I think, is the beginning of the journey. <laughs> no, I'm not saying she's a good character. I'm saying she's a bad character who is not pretending to be a good character on the sh- like she's that's fair she's that's... not presented i think in a particularly like morally praiseworthy light or anything it's just it's an interesting and honest version of her character um yeah i don't i don't know why this makes me so much more uncomfortable than any other part of leslie winkle where her whole thing was like hey i want to fuck you and so let's put our mouths on each other see if it feels good and just go from there and i was like yeah you go get it leslie and now she's like, hey, I want to fuck you. And so I'm going to use financial strings to exercise control over you. And I'm like, wait one second, Leslie. Well, I'm I, confused because when we started this out, I was the one who was uncomfortable. And you were like, that's eh, probably fine. I mean, as far as the relationships in this show go, not oh, as far but... as real human relationships. No, of course, of course. No, this would be horrifying in real no, life. If I... any of our friends were in this situation, we would be like, you should probably yeah, I you think... should probably pull the ripcord on this. As far as motivations go, Wallowitz and Leslie are being more honest with each other than any other character, even if the, the honest reasons for the relationship are quite yucky. Well, I don't know. There were some other great honest moments in this episode, uh, just so long as we're breaking them down. Um... Like, for instance, so when Penny first fucks up Sheldon's spot, she's like, she turns to Leonard, because Leonard is there when it happens. She's like, what are we going to do about this? And Leonard, without missing a beat, probably because it's a sitcom, all of these lines were prescriptive. I realized I said that, like, what? boy, what quick thinking he showcased in this But scenario. you know what, the, the fact that you, you noticed that he didn't miss a beat, I think, speaks to how well the rest of the series flows. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. There was there was no awkward, yeah. weird pauses because he just comes back and goes, "We." It's like you've had a chance to be we for like a year and a half. That ship has sailed. That was pretty good. Yeah, and I I did like that. The as as much as he has been captive to her whims, I think we it's it's finally nice to see a character who's like, "No, girl, sorry, we." We tried this. This is a different kind of show now. It's not just about me being in love with you. So you just got to you got to eat this one, girl. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like you you I'm, gone done goofed bad. It's like I'm more interested in you for your paintball skills these days. Well, something I guess I want to talk about a little bit, but not in a way that I think is really worth picking apart, but that I just really enjoyed is Sheldon being 100% like a cat in this episode. Because as soon as his cushion is desecrated, like, the rest of the episode, up and through the point where the cushion is returned in clean condition, because as Penny does suck it up and take it to a dry cleaner, he's just, like, frowning and groaning and rubbing his butt on things. Yes. And I love it. Ah, oh, man. I think maybe, maybe Sheldon's a cat person. Maybe not, like, a furry 
but like someone who I had a friend who believed he was a wolf. Like, do you like what is it? Other kin? Is that what it is? Like when you identify as? Oh yes. Yeah, like this was like in high school, and you know he's a nice guy. He's my friend, but also like his parents weirdly supportive. They're like, here you go, buddy. Here's another raw steak for you to eat that you're just gonna put soy sauce on. See, this is one of those things where you're telling me it, and I'm like, am I the one who's conservative now? Because this seems like bullshit. No, it's wacky. It's it's super wacky, but it's... Well, but do I just need to be more tolerant of other people's life choices, I guess? But Are you being intolerant? Are you going back in time and slapping the raw steak out of my wolf friend's mouth? <laughs> no, that's... I mean, if anything, you should go back in time and keep him from playing so much EverQuest, along with everybody else I knew. That game ruined lives, I tell ya! But yeah, uh, maybe Sheldon, um, when we're not looking, his pooping in sandboxes maybe he's licking the oil off the side of old tuna cans you know yeah none of that really surprises me none of it would surprise me either and i want more of that i really like i really like groaning butt rubby sheldon a lot yeah he's just like uh he's just so sad yeah so melancholic melancholic sheldon is good as opposed to let me go on a long monologue about why this is terrible sheldon that's what i'm saying like like, he chose to express himself through physical humor instead of, like, talking. And I think the less Sheldon talks, generally the funnier he is. I can't... I don't know if I can go that far. Although... But all I can say is I love him rubbing his butt on stuff. Yeah. Well, just the more... The more he's... I guess the more he's imposing all of his consequences on himself and he's at peace with himself, but he's not trying to make other people conform to his stuff, the better it is. Like, there's a another, oddly, this might just be because I'm in a good mood today, um, but, uh, like, another eerily charming line was, was normally this is annoying, but uh, Leslie Winkle, like, makes a, makes that, speaking of cat noises, she makes a cat noise at uh, Wallowitz. Oh, right. And a- the- after they sleep together, she sees him in the university cafeteria the next day and gives him a little rawr. Yeah, in front of everyone, which, okay. Um, and they're all like, what was... She's, she has no shame. Yeah. Well, it's more like they're all like, what is that about? As if it could be about anything <laughs> other than what it is obviously about. Well, but, but um, I think, I think it's reasonable to have a barrier in your mind that would connect Wallowitz with having sex with anyone you knew. That's fair. Um, but I was going to, but, uh, oh, and she says, uh, you'll scratch my back. You scratch my back. I'll scratch yours. And, uh, and, uh, Sheldon goes, ah, yes, you scratch my back. I'll scratch yours. A classic quid pro quo situation. Also the sound of that row, that sort of sounded like an African civet cat. Yes. To which, Leonard's like, are you done? It's like, no. You know, despite the name, African civic cats? Not actually cats. Now I'm done. That was delightful. It, it was just like the smug, just like the perfect smug happiness of it. Yeah. He knows what he wants to deliver. He knows how to do it. I enjoy it. Damn, Kyle. I don't know what else to say about this one. Well, so one last question. Please. How do you feel about the Chinese food thing? Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought it up! Oh god, sorry! Rest of the episode's about that! Whoopsie-daisy! Whoopsie-daisy! Holy shit! Oh my god! It's a, So, we make it all the way through the episode! Things are wrapping up as neatly as they ever do in any one of these episodes, which is to say, not at all. But at the end of it, um, when, when Sheldon is, like, trying to get his butt back into the cushion groove, um, he, he distracts Sheldon by saying... By the way, the cashew chicken that we've been getting from Shanghai Palace this whole time, like, yeah. 
I've actually been getting that from the Golden Tiger. <gasps> what? It's, it's fucking Leonard. What did he say for four years or was it two years? It's it, two years. He says it because he says it, was, it, it like was two it's years a, and four thousand like boxes. Yeah, he says it like it's a ghost story. He's like, he's like, actually, uh, what was the name of the original place? Shanghai Palace. I he's think. like, Shanghai Palace has been closed for two years. Yeah, and rather than upset Sheldon's schedule or his expectations and behaviors, instead, when they were closing, Leonard buys. 4,000 to-go containers that he keeps in the trunk of his car. And that also means that every time he's getting food from this whatever tiger temple or whatever, that he... I think that was the golden dragon. That one. Golden dragon. That he has to take it to his car, move it from one box in another box, make it look as if it were freshly packed again. But this also doesn't make sense because there have been episodes where we've seen them go out together. I assume... At that same restaurant, which they are now saying is closed. It wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, if Sheldon had a takeout Chinese place versus a sit-in Chinese place. It. I think you're right. It's it's foolish of me to have one go-to Chinese place, which I do, by the way. And it's delicious. Well, no, and I, I think it. most most people probably do, and I'm and I would want to kill myself if they had this conversation on the show. But I can totally see a conversation on the show where Sheldon explains how thermodynamically this place is superior in terms of when it's delivered fresh. However, when you consider the exact application of heat and packaging, this place is superior when delivered after 30 minutes, but not 31 minutes, because that is the that is suboptimal for eating conditions. It does say something about how much, again, Leonard must care for Penny, um, that he is willing to burn this card for her, because, I mean, two years is a long time. And actually, again, Sheldon sells it delightfully, because because when he says that, Sheldon's just like, what? He practically faints. Yeah. First, he's like, what? He gets the vapors, like, at the very least. Like, you would have thought he told him, it's like, your mom died. And he's like, no, like, I was just talking to her. And then he... No, yeah, this was this was very much a my world is forever changed. Yeah, he's like, I can't go back from this. He's like, what is real? In fact, I'm gonna do that thing now that is not uh, that is not actually me. I'm going to draw a thematic connection that's not actually in the show, but let's pretend like the show's smarter than it is. Okay. Sheldon ends. Sheldon starts the first time Sheldon describes his pot the spot in the episode. Sheldon describes the spot as the place in the world that is at the core of his Cartesian system. It's the one place around which all other certainty is grounded. It is his zero, 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 zero. Because he factors in time. Yes, you have to. Um, and so, which is interesting because Descartes, of course, was the person who first said, I think, therefore I am, which was his attempt to overcome his radical doubts about the existence of reality and what could be known through empiricism alone. At the end of the episode, when Sheldon finds out that the chicken is not actually from the place he thought it was and was actually uh, from someplace else, he ends up sitting in a spot saying, I don't know what is real anymore or what is true. In, a, in a essence, Sheldon has been returned to a place of Cartesian radical doubt, both through the destruction of his spot and the subsequent revelations about the unknown unknowns of his reality. So I think... I had a similar experience while Sheldon was going through that, but mine was much simpler. And that was my reality was also destroyed in re people actually order and enjoy cashew chicken. And maybe that's not the case. Maybe I this is just a fantasy world uh, built around me and it's still not real. But 
I just can't imagine that being a thing that anyone would look at and go, this is what I want inside of me today. I mean, it's on all of the Chinese menus, so it someone is. must order it. No, it just feels like it's a trick. Every, like, it's a filler. You know, like, we can't have 19 items on the entree menu. We've got to have around 20. Cashew chicken, I guess. No, I don't know. Sorry that I can't contribute more to your Descartes discussion. Well, that's fine. Do you know anything, any random facts about Descartes? I used to. They went away. I replaced them with Final Fantasy knowledge. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. He seems like someone who would show up. Descartes, you know, he seems like someone who would show up in an anime or a, or a video game. I'm actually surprised. Is that a really roundabout way of saying that he has cool hair? No, I'm just saying, like, you ever notice how anime, they occasionally randomly insert weird philosophical quotes and Western philosophy characters into their stuff. It's always, Yeah, but it's always, like, Jungian bullshit. That's true. A lot of it's, like, German and existentialist philosophy. That's correct. Yeah. Boy. With that, we really definitely should start wrapping up. I guess. I feel like, yeah, again, it's You just, feel empty? I do, but in a good way. Really? Oh. Yeah. Wow. I just, it's like, there's not... Again, I think it's mostly because I got a lot of sleep last night, woke up, had a good workout, waited on my cup of coffee till the afternoon, so I'm still in, like, the high phase of my, like, caffeine absorption. So you feel feel empty not as in drained, but as in unburdened. Yeah, exactly. And that was was the whole, again, that's what I'm trying to, I had a real transcendental experience watching this episode, but I'm absolutely aware that had enough, very little to do with the quality of the episode. Like, if the episode had been really bad, I'm sure that would have, like, harshed my buzz. But because the episode was merely mediocre, the experience of watching it actually came out pretty pleasurable. It was it was chill enough that you were able to control your breathing and just be there in the moment. Absolutely. And... I was just like, ah. Nice. Look I'm... at all the different faces on these different characters. Yeah. I'm seeing all of this as it is in this moment. This is the truest I've ever experienced the Big Bang Theory. So much so that I can't actually I... think about the effect it's having on me. I it... did. I did actually have the thought, I am sitting here watching the Big Bang Theory. How weird is that? It's pretty weird. It's not something I've ever been able to explain to anybody. <laughs> okay, we can. All right, with on. that emptiness. Uh, oh, hey, look! It's our ham-fisted. We have social accounts. Thanks. Rate us on the iTunes. Check us out on our Facebook. You know, page. Our Facebook page is starting to take off. We have like sixty whole people who have liked our Facebook page. So yeah. if you're one of those people, that's like fifty-five more people than I know actually listen to the show. Yeah. So. Thank you for liking our Facebook page. Also, you can write us a little review either there or on iTunes. That'd be great. Yeah. And, you know, share with your friends or whatever. Or your enemies. So long as someone listens to it. I don't give a shit. Yes. Anyway, now we move on to our pleasant nerd thing for the week. I already do have something in mind. Do you? I do. Okay. I'll just go ahead and go then. I mentioned this very briefly last week, but I've been watching a lot more of it and enjoying it more and more the the further I go along. And my nerd thing for the week is... JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It is an anime based on a long-running manga series from the mid-80s? I don't know. It's been a long time. I have to say mid-80s just based on the names. There's vampires, big, scary, evil vampires that are all named after 80s rock bands. Like Kazu and Wamu and Isidisi. Yeah. (laughs) And one of the heroes is Speedwagon. I know that. Yeah, Speedwagon and Zeppeli, which I think I, I just... I don't think they were able to find a first a good name to make the first name Lead. So they're like, yeah, I'll be Zeppeli, whatever. But anyway, it's not really actually prog rock related, the content of the substantive content of the show. Well, maybe. Maybe it's just an attempt to translate how prog rock feels in anime form. I can't say it's not. 
I mean, it's 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 dealing with. No, I was going to say it's dealing with deeper themes, but in a flashy and entertaining way. But I'm like, I don't know if it ever deals with deeper themes. I think, I mean, I'm just, I love this show because I can't say it's trash, but it's close. It is nothing but uh, gigantic, beautiful, beefy martial arts dudes using magical breathing and or vampire powers to beat the shit out of each other. There are reasons they're doing this that are largely irrelevant. Um... I haven't watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z, but based on what I know about Dragon Ball Z and watching this, I feel like this is good Dragon Ball Z, where it's just fight, 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 but it actually does really move along at a clip. Uh, every episode does... It's it's very tight. There, there There's not a lot of wasted time with exposition and, and side narratives. It's I think maybe what I do like about the show is, like, everything is so shamelessly over the top. It never really like there's an episode where they're like oh hey what's up new character how are you new characters like, oh my god last week on the job just uh, got engaged can't wait to see my new wife oh no <laughs> exactly right oh. you're like he's gonna be dead within 30 seconds blam what do you know it's it's like they, they don't even like try to dress it up as a character who might stick around they're like hey okay we just need this guy to get killed in a cool way so we're just gonna throw down the identifiable tropes and make sure that his death fucking rules <laughs> And um, I could say more about it, but I'm not going to. It's just fantastic. You should watch it. It's on. Oh, thank God you made it here. Sergeant retires tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's on Hulu. So if you got Hulu, it's free. If you have Hulu and you haven't paid for the ad free version yet, I highly recommend that. It makes me feel like a king. uh, And that every moment I was watching commercials up to that was a, a stupid waste of my life. I need to watch it. I have not actually watched that. I read some of but I need to watch it. Oh, Kyle, I didn't know. We could have been watching it this whole time together. Oh, it's so good, Kyle. Oh, we're going to watch an anime. We're going to be anime friends. I mean, this is now a JoJo podcast. That's It's fine. a JoJo podcast now. I don't actually think... There might not be... I mean, it can't be any worse than our Big Bang Theory podcast. If you would like this to become a JoJo Bizarre Adventures podcast, please write in and let us know. All right. So, my thing is a movie... Um, sort of. It's also just a person, which is a little weird. Last night at the New Art in Santa Monica, I went to see the 4K restoration of Police Story in pre- oh. in preparation for going tonight to see the 4K restoration of Police Story 2. Nice. Which is, uh, I believe Police Story 2 is the one that got that made it all the way to the U.S. as Jackie Chan Super Cop. Okay, that's what I was thinking, yeah. Um... So, but the first one never did, right? I don't think like, so. Like, Rumble in the Bronx, unrelated to the police stories? I believe so. Okay. But I do not actually... So, all of this is to say, I'm a, I'm a little bit familiar with, like, Hong Kong action cinema stuff, but this is, this is uh, you know, and I saw some of this stuff probably when I was a kid, a little kid, but this is all, you know, stuff I've been interested in that has basically been outside of my, uh, in my wheelhouse, but outside of my ability to access. But because they were like, here are these brand new, uh, gorgeous 4K restorations of two of Jackie Chan's greatest films. You should go watch them. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go watch them. Uh, and so I went and I watched Police Story 1. Uh, awesome. Um, maybe it's not, like, it's not a perfect movie by any means, but it is just, it is a really good, like, 80s blockbuster, mm. like, delivered through an entirely different lens than, like, the, well, I mean, it's not, so it's a great attempt to, like, lean in, it's, like, obviously a very Western-inspired movie, because it has, like, a lot of the same tropes. It's, like, here's a, here's a brash detective, he's kind of a, he's kind of a loose cannon, 
Um, you but, know. but is he partnered up or is he solo? Well, he's so he's solo, um, but he is responsible for a girl that he is is responsible for protecting. So ah, it's, escort mission. Yes, although um, it's interesting because he has the girl that he's protecting, and he also has his his girlfriend who whose whole personality is anyway. It's not worth getting. Right, in. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said girlfriend though, because like when you're talking about protecting the the girl, I was thinking for a second like I've never thought once of Jackie Chan being a sexual being. I've always thought of him as being kind of just a eunuch with a lot of sharp so, knuckles. Yes, that's a problem. So, I mean, there's a whole, there's a great documentary. I can't remember what it's called, but this is a famous, like, the desexualization of Asian men in uh, our cinema is a big problem. Oh. Um, but that's, I'm not going to get into that today. Uh, what I am going to say is it's it's a little hard, probably. It's a little weird to say that Jackie Chan is underrated or underappreciated here in the West, right? Because he was probably, as an Asian movie star, the only ho- a- the only living Asian household name, you know, when yeah. I was growing up. I mean, he had he was in multiple Hollywood blockbusters. He had his own cartoon show. It was not like there was anybody who did not know that Jackie Chan was this cool action slapstick guy so yeah, he's, he was america's sweetheart as far as punching people goes so he was a big deal i think we're going to look back and we're going to what history is going to look back on jackie chan as the greatest action or as the greatest movie star personality of the 1980s well, it's also weird because Jackie Chan recently like released his own autobiography where he talks about like, you know, I wasn't a perfect person. I slept with a lot of prostitutes and and drove drunk a whole bunch of times. Jackie Chan, no. <laughs> and this and this one time, you know, I kind of punched my kid in the face when Jackie he was a little Chan, kid. Jackie Chan, no. I see you as a beacon of light and pure positivity. I didn't need this today. <laughs> oh. So you know, not a perfect, not a perfect person, but a an incredibly talented an incredibly magnetic actor. I think I need to be clear then and say that today's recommendations tell you more than anything that Kyle and I both, what ties us together is our love of beautiful, beefy men just wailing on each other. Well, we already knew that about me. About you, yeah. I like it for different reasons, I guess. I'm more I'm more into the aesthetics and less the technique. I just, I just like watching rippling muscles bend. 